Welcome to Blamma, a podcast with an exclamation point. My name is Jeremy Kirkland, and my guest this week is Michael Williams, founder of A Continuous Lean. If you haven't heard of it, ACL was the very first menswear blog. Let me put it this way. He's the guy who made it okay for men to talk about their love of clothes on the internet. We discuss why he started the blog nine years ago and where he thinks menswear is headed today. You'll also hear about our first meeting seven years ago when I embarrassed myself by calling him a rude name online. Here's my conversation with Michael Williams. This, this is the pre-podcast banter that, that always runs in the beginning of every podcast. Yeah. And here's where the music comes. This is the nerdist thing where you hear the person and sit down. <laughs> okay, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, this is this is definitely it. So, Michael Williams, the Don. This I was very excited and quite nervous to actually talk really? to you today. Yeah, for That's sure. That's good. So, the reason why I wanted to talk to you about this is I think... 2009, 2010, you kind of set up and birthed the whole menswear movement and introduction and like third wall breaking men's blog. And I would say like you made it okay for people to have an opinion about clothes and be a man. Yeah, I I think it was a weird moment. It was I started this in 2007, but it was a weird moment where. I feel like there was like so much pent up energy around people wanting to like talk about clothes and like guys wanting to talk about that where it was like becoming acceptable for guys to be into that. Yeah. In in a weird way. And I think there was just like a ton of like pent up emotion about it and like interest and in, you know it just sort of channeled online because it sort of made sense and Yeah. And the, the site that I'm referring to is a blog called A Continuous Lean. He started it in 2007. Um, it's still around, right? Still chugging. It still barely exists. Oh, it I, totally exists. You're you're a responsive design now. <laughs> I've yeah. You can go to. It's like for all the old guys that don't get all their news through social media can go to the mobile site. Yeah, you know. And you, you got you got the email list. People get it through email. It yeah. It's still like it still quasi exists and yeah and. If I could do it more, I'd I'd do it more. And if I could find an editor to write it that could write it every day, and then I could chime in when I felt like I had something to say. Rest in peace, Jake Gallagher. <laughs> <laughs> R.I.P. Byline, Jake Gallagher. Yeah, um, I would do that, but it's it's still sort of there, and I I kind of like where it's at now, where it's like maybe I'll post something, and you know maybe three months will go by and nothing will happen, but you know eventually we'll come back to it, and you know I have something. Potentially, I could write tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. So. so before we get too deep into this, which I definitely want to do, I want to get a little bit more about you. So you are from Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. I always try to mention that because Cleveland gets shit on so much. It was always like a point that I like make a point for all of the people that are from there that like be- got beat on and always like felt bad about where they grew up. That yeah. They would say like, look, we're not so pathetic like there's one guy that yeah know. maybe it's an ohioan thing because my mom's from youngstown and youngstown yeah steel nice. town nice but i mean you're a champion now right you uh you got I, the calves I, I think that was like a big thing yeah you know i know like a million people from cleveland and and that like we're so invested in that championship and then when the calves won like everyone cried like my wife was in la i was in in new york actually for the game seven and 
when it was over, she's like, "Are you so happy?" I'm like, "Honestly, I like was so happy I cried." Like, did it, you? Yeah, that's yeah. a true sports fan right there. <laughs> I'm serious. But it's like every you, the the thing of it was not to talk about Cleveland too much because no one cares. Nope, people care. <laughs> <laughs> it got beat on. Like we would just like it, so much misery and pain over the years that it was the thing where. I think, and we're always like the butt of every joke and like the mistake on the lake and the river caught fire and like all this bullshit, you know, all that stuff would always come up. And, and I think like people felt like they were second class or like that, you know, they, I think that they saw themselves as being inferior and because we could never win anything, it was more than a championship. It was like more than the Larry O'Brien trophy. It was, you know, like us as a people. You know, so like right. for us to win was saying like we're not that fucking pathetic. We're just you know the yeah. weather just sucks because Cleveland's like the in a good way like the everyman, the blue collar town, the the hardworking guy. I mean, there was you know steel mills and stuff around yeah. Ohio and yeah. you know, and I know that's kind of spread out because like Cleveland and Cincinnati, although similar, are not the same. Yeah, you know? it's it's like you know it's a post industrial place. Yeah, and you know it economically suffered a lot in the same way that you know, Pittsburgh did and yeah. Cincinnati did. And so how, how long, I mean, you grew up there, you spent the majority of your life there. Yeah, I grew up there. I went to call, I was there until I went to college and I went to college, uh, in Athens, Ohio at okay. Ohio university. And, um, when I graduated, I literally moved from Athens to New York. And so you moved to New York and at least from the research I was able to gather, you interned at Dolce and Gabbana. Yeah. So I had a good friend in college, no, this which, is cool. which is like the natural place for, yeah. you know, a guy from Ohio to end up, right? Sure. Um, I had a good <laughs> friend from, from college that it was like, I'm still very, very close with today. He was like, he was a stylist and he was working at MTV. And this is like the what, day. What year is this? This is like 99, 2000. I'd, so this I, is still like the heyday of like MTV. Yeah. It. yeah. This is like, you know all those artists are like making so much money because of CD sales. And yeah. like, that's like that moment. MTV is like at its prime. Um, like, uh, what was the show? Um, TRL. Yeah. TRL is like in its heyday. Carson you know, Daly. yeah, I would like go. <laughs> it's funny. We just like sent a tuxedo to Carson Daly for like my other thing. And, uh, and like Carson Daly is still kicking, you know, he's, he's on the today show. Yeah. I think he actually has a uh, radio show or something. Yeah. He's always like, that's how he actually got to start. I know a lot about Carson. Um, he's nice. a good guy actually. But so my friend like works at MTV and you know, I would like, I interned for like Kenneth Cole when I like, you know, Kenneth Cole was like such a great right. brand, you know, 99 and, um, so I like intern for them and then I'm like staying in my buddy's apartment and then I graduate and he's like, move to New York. Like I'll kick my roommate out. You can like take his place in the apartment and like, I'll help you find a job. So he's like a big stylist. He like called around to a bunch of showrooms and I ended up like working, like doing PR, like as an assistant. Um, so and you then, get a job like right out of college well, and, you, and you get so this kind was, of pavement. Yeah. Sorry. I was like, I was interning with them. And then uh, I was only there for a little bit, and then I ended up going to work at this like tiny little PR firm. Okay, what and was the PR firm called? It was called Quinto and Company. Quint- Are they still around? I don't know if she's still around. This woman, Norma Quinto, mm-hmm. and the guy that like hired me there. So I actually then I saw him on a train, and I knew him sort of 
like in a roundabout way and I saw him like in Union Square in a train and I like went up to him. I was like, hey, are you guys looking for anyone? Like I'm looking for like a new job. And he was like, yeah, yeah, like you should come in. And I ended up like getting the job and I'm still friends with that guy today. That's awesome. Yeah, he works at like another firm. But it was like random. My friend Rob, that the stylist, um, he's like J-Lo's stylist now. Nice. Um, that's good work. Yeah, it's a good, that's yeah, a good person that's a to style. Gig. And he's like, he was such a good friend. And so he like totally helped me all along, like get my start, like in the business, you know? So how long are you at DNG? So like, I was only there for like five months okay. and then I went to this little, uh, then PR you went firm. to the small PR firm and then I went to a big PR firm after that. And who, who was that? That was Paul Wilmot communications. Oh, is, okay. So he's, he's the legendary Calvin Klein guy. Yeah. And Connie Nast and yeah, they were you know we'd worked on Abercrombie at that time. Wow. So, I mean that that's that's a big account. I mean that's that's a ton of work. Too. Yeah, they were like they were a big account. We had like a bunch of big accounts, and yeah, that's sort of how I like Paul Wilmot's where I learned how to do PR. And so, and if you don't know who Paul Wilmot is, he's kind of like the godfather of PR. If you're listening to this, and he. He, he wasn't just like on the the Ali G show, <laughs> but he you know he did kind of help shape like Calvin Klein and, and Conan Nass, and and he's like really he's still around he's still kicking right yeah I he's mean, he's around I'm not I don't ever really see them I talk to them a little bit but I don't see them much and I haven't seen Paul in years but um, I was only there for a few years and yeah. and a couple of the other partners there I had really nice relationship with and they were good and I learned a lot and they Paul is like just he you know he is he understands PR in a way that I just like will never even understand he just like had it it was like second nature to him and you know he was like really smart and just you know got it um so it was a good place to you know learn how to do that and you'd meet a lot of people through you know they yeah. have good clients you'd meet the media I mean this is like one of the things if you want like a nice transition, no, this no, is, this, is fine. this is how I knew how to promote my site when I started. Yeah. Yeah. Like I started the site and I would send links to like all these editors and all these media people. Cause I knew them. You, all. So you made your own like EPK or some sort of, I was just like, I, if I had a story I thought was interesting, I'd send it out, you know, yeah. I'd like, I wouldn't like blast it to people, but I would sort of pick and choose and say, Hey, I thought this would be interesting. Like for this little link out or whatever it was. So, so I want to get my timeline timeline straight here. Did you start ACL before Paul and Williams? I started ACL uh, six months after I started my current, like my main job, like what I do 90% of the time, which is a PR company called Paul and Williams. And I have a business partner named Allie Paul. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, six months after we started Paul and Williams, I started ACL. Wow. Because ACL, so for me, like I'll, I'll you know, switch to the fact that I discover it's like the the freshman class, you know, the the kings at the very beginning. It was you and then there was a couple other sites. I was like, oh this is incredible. This this guy, he has this opinion on menswear, you know, I'm I'm like young, fresh face, moved to New York, was it like two thousand five? And um I guess like right as I was, you know, hemorrhaging all of my money to buy a pair of Dior <laughs> jeans in like oh seven uh, ACL comes out and I was like, Oh no, I screwed up. I can't wear this stuff. I got to wear men. Like I got to wear like American menswear. And this is before people said menswear or hashtags yeah. exist. And I wanted to, you know, I want to look cool, which, you know, I still have this identity crisis. And then I find this kind of like, I was on message boards before then, but this was like, this made it more okay because it was mainstream. Every, if you're on a message board, everyone on a message board knows that 
it's kind of weird that you're on a message board, like style forum, yeah. super future. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so I see your, your thing. And then it's like you, uh, James Wilson of secret forts, um, Max Wassler of all plat out, uh, rest in peace. Although I don't know if he's still doing, maybe he's still doing his thing. I think all plat outs all gone out. Like, I, I think he. I think he just does other things. I'm not sure what he does. Yeah, I mean, he's still working. I mean, I haven't. He's not blocking years. me on Twitter anymore. But <laughs> oh god, yeah, we'll get into the the horrible <laughs> crap you've had to ensue while you climbed climbed the mountain here. But um, uh, so what? How you're kind of like the first? Did you you know get this kinship with these other guys? Uh, say like James Wilson, because I know you were kind of buddies. Yeah, with him, I'm right? still friends with James. I don't talk to him as much as I should, and he's in Nashville now. Right. Um, and, you know, I, like, remember when Max started his site, and yeah. I remember, you know, meeting Max at, you know, I, I remember, like, having lunch with him at a certain point and talking about what he was doing, and um, I just remember that scene sort of happening, and it was interesting because, you know, it was kind of, everyone was, like, watching what everyone was doing, so it was kind of an interesting moment yeah. in, you know, all this stuff emerging, and it was kind of, there wasn't a ton of noise, so you could really, like, follow it yeah and now it's like hard to follow things because there's so much happening yeah, yeah no I, I totally agree and you know because i think you talked about it was i think like red wing and there was a lot of brands that to me you broke um like you know like made it okay to like and things like that and so th- this whole like american made in america you know movement was starting to happen and i think maybe yours felt better to me because you know, obviously, like, going back to the, the Cleveland story, you know, and the fact that you cared about American-made stuff because you're from this, you know, hardworking American town, and, you know... And, and it was, it was, you know, whether it was a conscious thing or not, like, that was, a, you know, like, a trendy thing at that time. You yeah. Know? It was, like, a weird time, too, with, like, the economy and everything. Yeah, so, financial crisis hits 08. yeah. And I think that, you know, everyone could sort of, like, take refuge in, like, the safety of, like, all of that sort of that sort of aesthetic, right? Right. And, you know, I just, I think more than anything, like, I really just, I was lucky that I understood PR, but I was lucky that I just was, like, either helped start this trend or, like, was enveloped by the trend or whatever happened. Yeah. You know, I was lucky that I was in that moment at that time, and that's, like, what made it popular yeah you know it wasn't necessarily like anything i was totally doing i don't think uh i'll agree to disagree on that just because like i think yeah you you were doing it but you were you doing what you did validated other people to get started too because i would say like you know i started my blog rest in peace uh lauren started his blog you know moy a ton a ton of other people you know it in people felt validated and okay to have this voice now because someone else did it first, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think like that, that was much bigger, at least for me. And, and I would, you know, I was young, very kind of dumb. We'll get into how I embarrassed myself when I met you, (laughs) which is actually one of the best stories. I mean, it's just such a funny like way to meet someone and to like then have, you know, it's like, it's not, it wasn't like a short-sighted thing. Like it was, you know, now we're like still here together, like sitting at a table and yeah, you know, it's like, you just don't think about like, you know, how people are going to respond to something or like how, 
you know, like in, intertwined everything is until later, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll just, I'll just get right into it. So you wh- – the first pop-up flea was what, 2009? 2009, yeah. Yeah. So 2009, ACL is like crushing it, and um, you and I believe Randy Goldberg yeah. start the pop-up flea, which is like a small – you know, I, you did it in Soho. Yeah, it was at, like Elizabeth or something. We did it because Randy's girlfriend, then girlfriend at that time, managed this event space. And we, he was like, we can get a deal on this event space. Like, we should do this thing. You right. Know? So you the, the, the gist of the pop-up flea was that it was going to be American-made stuff. And basically, maybe the first, like, see now, buy now. Although, I, it was, you yeah. know, it was a weird time if you think about... The in like all these little brands didn't have e-commerce at that point. Yeah, I mean, I mean no not one in a had serious way because really. yep. it was expensive to do. So major brands did, and then a lot of these little brands didn't. So it was kind of like you could get this whole collection. It wasn't mm-hmm. totally uh, all made in the U.S. It was more like our friends. The first one especially was more like it was McNary. It was like all these yeah. guys that we were just friends with, and we got them to do it because we we're friends with them. You yeah. Know? So I go there fresh-faced, all excited to meet, you know, the Don. And, you know, so this is my interpretation. And this is obviously wrong because it was very – I was in a cloud of anger, of (laughs) angst at the time. And I met you, and I basically was hoping that it would be like, hey, you, what's up? Why don't we hang out and, like, get some coffee and do stuff? And, like, we'd be best friends and then, you know. (laughs) And it's okay that that didn't happen, but it – didn't and i basically did what everyone else was doing at the time on your site uh but i think i was uh i said this on style forum but i, I either called you a douche or a dickhead which i what no, was no it? it was i it was i met michael Ames at the papa flea that dude is a total douchebag or something like that I, that yeah. guy was like a total douchebag i think that's what i said because you know i you, you know i thought i was almost like 2000 I'm like 23-ish or something like that, 24. So I'm stupid, you know. Um, and uh, I've had douchey moments, and I've been a douchebag many times. And <laughs> but I, you weren't. But then. no, I was certainly not because I was meeting so many people at that event. Like everyone knew that I would be there. Well, you were working. Yeah, that, I was I mean, like that was the biggest. Thing I was like working it. So like yeah. I definitely wasn't being a douche there. But no. I've I've been a douche. And of so times. fast forward, you do. Uh, this is like. Shortly after, because you were selling your sort of collaboration with McNary. Yeah. And this is like early 09 and um, maybe just like a month or two after. And I wanted to buy these eight pocket cargos. And so I emailed you and I was like, oh, could I try them on? And you were like, yeah. And so meanwhile, I didn't know that you connected my style form alias to who I was in person. Not a you know, deal. you used your real name. Um, oh, I it did. was like a you the comment when you called me a douche, you were using your real name. <laughs> okay. And and I didn't know you, and but I was like, what the fuck? You, you know, and well, yeah, just to rewind, cool. not to lose track of the story, but when we did Pop-Up Flea, I don't think we messaged what it was going to be well either. So a lot of people were kind of like pissed off because they thought it was going to be like a flea market and like cheap vintage clothes. Yeah. And then like everyone went and they're like, everything's so expensive. So That's people right. like, that were, was the there was like a furor around it for like whatever reason, like people were pissed off. Yeah. So then you email me and then I got your email and I was like, i remember this name <laughs> i'm like how do i remember this name and then i and i like looked let me look in my and file i, of I went mail. back 
I went back and I was like, oh, this is the guy. And I was like, I should tell him like not to come in. But then I was like, no, I'm going to let him come in. Yeah. So, and I, can- so I come in and I'm trying him on. And like, so we're actually in the same room where it happened. And uh, this is a you know, loft office that you have in Soho. And it's not like your store, you know, so you were clear of just like, hey, this is like a space, you know, like, but you, there's a bathroom, you can go try it on. And I was like, okay, cool. And I tried on. And I think it was either like, you hand the pants to me and you're like, hey, you know, nice to meet you. You're like, you're the guy who called me a, a douchebag, right? And I was like, uh, <laughs> um, and it's like, I'm sure that you've been there before, not you, but like maybe the person listening to this, that you meet someone and you have this thing of how it's going to play out in your head and you, they, they basically remind you that you screwed up. And, but the thing was, it was true. You got called out and it was very, it was true. I was an idiot. And then I felt so (laughs) stupid. I was like, oh yeah, (laughs) oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, I was just kidding around and you were like, it's totally cool. Not a big deal, man. And I was like, I'm so sorry. And I went home that night and I wrote on my blog (laughs) this like apology letter and more of like, like, I need to learn how to be an adult because I can't just whine on the internet when I'm not happy. But it, but this is like, you know, people, it's like a good learning for you. It was like, yeah. a good, it was a good learning for me though, but it just goes to show how people can be, like people sometimes will do things and say things online that you just never do in real life. It's road rage. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. It's like you're in your car and you feel safe and so you like. Yeah, yeah. you're behind a computer. You think it's fine to say that, you know, and as soon as that happened and because I remember that Lawrence read and Lawrence emailed me and was like, that's really cool that you, you know, mm-hmm. it was up. cool that you said that. Well, yeah. thank but, you. But it just basically got you back to zero. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I was like, well, at the end now I'm still just sitting alone. You know, but I do have these cool cargos, but, um, I yeah. w- I didn't confront you until after the sale had happened. If you yeah, remember, like, now, now I got your money. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it was you know. So I remember I wrote this and then I I emailed you and was like, I was basically hoping you'd read it and just like you know let it be water under the bridge, and you did. And uh, that became you know this this like turning point for uh, me to be friends with Lawrence. And also, I think the bigger thing was like that conversation helped me learn how to be a little bit more of an adult in the menswear world. And this is, you know, the next thing that I kind of want to get into is like you, you had to deal with this a lot. And to me, it's like totally messed up. Um, But it's like, you were this like martyr per se of menswear. Like I think the one that I want to reference and we don't have to get too deep into it is um, you kind of helped introduce Aaron Levine to the menswear thing. <laughs> and what was, I know like he had a beard, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but like he had, uh, his beard and, um, which like, you know, it's not that big of a deal to have a beard, but he had that, his barber. Yeah. We, Aaron emailed me out of the blue. Like that's how I met him. And he was like, yeah. I read your site. Like I like it. I think Aaron's like good about that. So yeah, I think, you know, I think he's good about, you know, like working on meeting people and building relationships, not like in a like overly networky way, but you know, I think he's like, he's smart. Like, and, and he's not afraid to be like, I want to meet this guy. He's like a good taste or, you know, yeah. he's like a, he's an aficionado. Of so he was at and, rogues gallery at the time, right? No, he was, a, he worked for a hickey. At that oh time. yeah. So this is pre rogues gallery. So he emails me. He's like, let's meet for lunch. And he's like, I actually, 
and I knew <laughs> there's a hilarious story about how he met McNary. Okay. And uh, do you want to hear it? Yeah, so, for sure. <laughs> McNary. So I worked. I met McNary because I worked with him at J Press. Okay. And Mark was the designer. Andy Spade. They Japanese people own J Press. This company yep. onward Kashiyama. They asked Andy Spade, "Will you design new J Press?" And he was like, "No." <laughs> and Andy was like, "You should. My friend Mark should do it." And they so they bring Mark in, and he like they eventually give him the job. He's the the designer. They're like looking for a PR person next, and I somehow could get in there through a friend of a friend, and they give me this job like as the PR person. And I remember when I met Mark, he was like out of his mind, and I was like, "This guy is nuts." <laughs> and now I'm like super, very close friends with Mark. Yeah. I love him. Um, so anyway, like Mark, I was gone at this point, but Mark still worked at J Press, and he's like, really, it was getting to the end for him there and he was like really on edge about his job i mean he probably wouldn't admit it but i know he was he was like on edge that they're gonna like blow him out or you know whatever and um he he uh some guy had like tried to he was selling something on ebay and like some guy had like messaged him and was like hey i like work it was levine trying to buy this i don't remember what it was but trying to buy it from mcnary yeah and he was like hey i like work at hickey like maybe i could trade you like whatever for this and Mark's like, oh, because Mark had like seen him in the elevator of their building, like because they had brought Aaron in to interview for Mark's job. <laughs> and Mark, Mark was like, uh, Mark was like, oh no, you're the guy that's like trying to take my job or something. Oh, <laughs> and probably Levine, in all caps response. <laughs> yeah, and Levine, yeah, because that's how he emails. But and then Levine was mortified. But that's just Mark and his like confrontational, like hilarious, yeah, like often dry misunderstood. Humor. Yeah, yeah, he's so misunderstood. Yeah, Mark's got like the best sense of humor of anyone like I've ever met. He's so funny. Yeah, people don't get it though. They don't really. You have to know him to really like understand his humor. Yeah, someone and just his personality. He's shy. Yeah, I mean, he's very shy, but I think he's one of the most like gentle and kind guys. I mean, he, you know, took huge risks on Lawrence and I and stuff, and like. He was, you know, he's a he's a great guy, and yeah. definitely, you know, a guy who just loves his family. You know, yeah, he is. He's funny. He's like, uh, he, I see him in L.A. because he lives in L.A. I live in That's L.A. Right. now too, so um, I see him out there. It's hilarious. Um, yeah, driving his what, his Cadillac. His Cadillac. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Levine emails me, and I go up and I meet him for like we went to lunch at um, Valand. I don't even know if I. I'm, I'm pronouncing it right. That little like greasy spoon that's across from Ralph on Madison. It's like five oh, Barney's. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so we got there, and then after I was like, Levine's just such a nice guy, and I was like, Can I take your picture? And and I was like, I'll put it on the site. So I did, and then that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Then this like ev- it just went nuts. Yeah, people just freaked out for whatever reason. Was it were his pants tight or something? I know it was no. just like oh his his uh, pants were tucked into his Red Wings. I think that's what it was. I mean, I think it was like everything. Like, but it was it was it just embodied the like moment. Yeah, like, like there was a guy wrote an article about like American heritage, like the trend. This guy Andrew Romano, who um, I still kind of talk to occasionally, but he now works for Yahoo and he's like a political. He covers like the campaign for Yahoo. Anyway, he's a great great writer and. If you ever see his byline, it's like worth reading. He's he's a really right. smart guy. He's got great taste. Anyway, so Andrew wrote a story in Newsweek about this trend and like 
quoted me and whatever, and they ended up like running the picture of Levine in Newsweek. That picture that <laughs> everyone freaked out about. <laughs> well, how much? How long after did everyone? Was this like a few weeks after? The yeah, like it was in that time frame, like in like a right. month or two, like around that. <laughs> yeah, like so that was, I think, the turning point in which you had to start like turning on, like you had to create like a comment. Uh, rule section because I think like you started moderating comments or you deleted one and someone was like what the f this dude deleted a comment and like what you deleted was basically hate speech you know like it was not constructive it wasn't like oh I don't tuck my pants in or I don't button my barber all the way up or anything like that it was like f this person you know like mean stuff yeah people were crazy yeah I mean I I think part of it was me and part of it was like just all these people, like, you know, everyone had a grievance with something. It's like the price of things or like the aesthetic or like these are our brands and you're like co-opting them. Yeah. Or, They're like, oh, you know, you're, you're trying to take something that's all like heritage and make it not heritage. And you're like, no, I just like this and I want to talk about it. <laughs> Can yeah. you leave me alone? But then, but I was, I was always, if you go back and look at the post, like I would always write like the most flattering, nice posts and every story was always nice and yeah. I, I was never trying to be like an asshole about things. And I was like, there's so much negativity in the world. Like I don't need to like add more to it. So I'm just going to just talk about the things I like and ignore the things I don't. And that'll be that. And then in the comments, like people would freak out and I'd have to go in and be like just the biggest asshole in the world. Like it was like, I would just fully just be terrible to everyone. Well, you I know? mean, cause it was, and it was funny. I it thought was it was, just. <laughs> I, it was just and like they deserved it and I thought it was really funny yeah like, and so I would like get such a kick out of it it was good <laughs> like Jared Stern once wrote a story for me about um, the bullfighting in Spain and, or in Mexico okay and like people freaked out like that was like one of the most like they're like you know people just couldn't handle it just like because it wasn't like they just didn't agree with it you know Ugh. and I'm like it's you know, geez, I don't even know what to say. So then, like, the collaborations start coming out from you, and I think you, because you had the ability to, were able to start using, like, ACL as um, a brand, more or less, but also, you know, like, there was a store. I remember you had an online yeah. store on it. But, like, you were always very clear and upfront of, look, I also, I do this as a business. I'm very, you know, like, before the whole... FTC, you know, thing came down of like when people would write about something they got for free that they didn't, you know, or excuse me, people write about something they got free saying that like they bought it or that, you yeah. know, these like false reviews. I mean, you were upfront about that, but like, so what kind of like happened after that? I mean, you know, like as, as you kind of like nurture this growth here. Eventually I, you know, I was doing the store and the, the idea for the store was, and I'd gone to Japan so much and the stores in Japan, like if you look at beams and ships and United arrows and all those stores, they were just always so smart about, they would like get the brand, use the power of their store to get the brands to make the shit that they wanted. Right. <laughs> so I was like, that's such a good idea. You know, it's like use the brand to leverage, like to get things that they wouldn't do for you or you wanted to buy from a designer, but they didn't make. Yeah. So that's like what I initially started doing and that's why the store like came about. And it was I mean it was a that was so annoying. Like I don't know what I was thinking. It was a good exercise, but I would like pack and ship that stuff or like someone that worked for me would we'd be like doing it together. 
you know, we like did this Gantt collaboration and it like sold that. out in like an hour and yeah. it was like 200 shirts or something like that. And then I'm like, fuck, I have to pack all this shit up and <laughs> send it out. I was pissed. I was like, oh man, this is terrible. And so I'm like, what am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? Um, and you know, I was thinking like I should monetize it. Like it, it wasn't about like me trying to make be overtly like business like. It was if I don't do it, it's just leaving money on the table for no reason. And it was never about sure. like making money. It was more just like it doesn't make like if I can figure out a way to make money from doing it, it just helps me continue to do it. You know, it'll help me buy a camera, it'll help me go to pity or whatever it was. You yeah, know? yeah. Because I think I saw you a couple times at pity. You know, and you were out there. Because I, I don't know, maybe I think we I saw you at the Isaiah party. It was like you and Levine, yeah. Because you and Levine would yeah, roll around. We, we went one time, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and then like after that, he was at club at that point. And after that, there was like a post. We I did a little like Q and A with him, and you know he would never like push me to do anything. I would always be like Aaron. I want to do. I want to like. I always really value, and I still do. You know Aaron's perspective and his opinion about stuff. Right. He's got such good taste. Like that guy's Very awesome. Good taste. Um, like in a way that I never will, you know, yeah. he's anyway. So we, he was like, we should go. So we went out and then after I did this little story about him and, uh, and one of the questions like, what else do you look at? And he was like, I don't really look at anything. And then the picture is like him at pity and everyone's like, fuck that. Like he's at pity, like <laughs> looking at everyone's shit. But, um, yeah, yeah, we, we, we were like out there one season. It was fun. Yeah, that was good. So, the, I guess one of the, the kind of the last things I wanted to talk to you about is so that I feel that the whole Americana, at least trend that you kind of helped start has really like died down a bit and everything. I feel like it's been a free for all as far as, you know, the saturation of technology into the industry, um, specifically like fashion and men's fashion industry. But now there is a men's fashion industry. You know, there's not that there wasn't before, but. You know, there's New York Fashion Week men's, you know, which is struggling a bit, but, you know, it's... Yeah, it's there's definitely, it's more robust, I think, than it was. Yeah. It's much more legitimate than it ever was. Oh, for sure. You know, and so I would, I guess my question would be, like, how do you think that, like, brands and even, like, say yourself, like, uh, as far as ACL, like, are sort of evolving with this? And it's not like, oh, well, you got to just use Instagram now, you know, but, like... Do you think that it's good or bad? Is there this overload of information? Or? I think it's difficult. It's not as linear in a way that it used to be. And, yeah. that, and that was the thing that, not to like say, it wasn't better, you know, when all the blog heyday was happening. I don't think that's necessarily better, but I think it was easier to follow. Yeah. And it was easier to sort of digest it. Now I think it's, you know, I think social media is the thing that like, killed the blog because yeah the the way that people like people used to wake up and go to my site every day and it was a part of their routine yep. now it's like people wake up and they look on their phone and they look at instagram and they look at facebook and they look at snapchat or whatever and that drives the the like that's the funnel right yeah. and so i think that now it's like you have to play in that space and that space is all about like the 10 menswear things to buy or whatever, you know, whatever that is. type links. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like the, the path is really convoluted now. Yeah. Um, 
You know, what I was doing before is exactly what I, like, I still dress the exact same way. Yep. Like, I literally the other day was thinking, like, I'm wearing Red Wings and a Filson bag, and nothing makes me happier than that. And, like, a pair of Levi's, you know? So, as much as I, like, was full of shit and was, like, hyping all this shit, like, I still wear it. And either I'm stuck in time. It's it's not full of shit if you're still doing it. You know, you're not sitting here in a Rick Owens kilt. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised you're not sitting here in a Rick Owens kilt. I had that. That was tough (laughs) to have with my wife, you know, walking around. Yeah, my freaking Rolando McLean football jersey. God, I'm a clown. <laughs> I went, you know, it's funny that, you know, but I think it's because you're a little bit younger than I am. And yeah. I think I went through it and I'm lucky to like have gone through like all of that discovery of like what my style is. I think it takes a long time to really get comfortable or, yeah. you, or you get tired of whatever it is. You, you get broke like yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> or you just like move on to something else. Yeah, that's true. But it, that pro- that process for me was like never documented, you know. Yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> yeah, it is weird of how like there's how much noise and stuff there is with things now because I was reading about so you know all the new iPhones came out and um, the review embargo for most tech editors was um, it used to be like 10 a.m. Eastern or something like that. And this year it was 6 a.m. Eastern because that's when Snapchat Stories refreshes. Really? Yeah. And so Apple PR made this decision to because they wanted to make sure iPhone 7 reviews and coverage went into Snapchat Stories. Wow. Yeah. So it, it's weird because in a way, like, there's so much noise, but still, you know, it, it almost, like, goes back in a circle of really trying to cater to, like, specific outlets. You know, like, it's Snapchat it, you know, news stories is like this, you know, newspaper for people. Yeah. It, it's, I don't know. Like, do you Snapchat? Uh, I'm on Snapchat. Yeah. Um, but like, personal. I understand Snapchat. No, no. It's like, I do some stuff. It was good. Like last, this past pity when I was there, I covered it mostly in Snapchat because it's just easier. It, it's right? so much easier. It's so much more fun. It's like so much more pre- like less precious than Instagram, but, you know, Instagram stories, I think, is pretty easy, and everyone's kind of in there. You don't have to build another audience, in a way. Like, for me, because I'm old, right? You're not old. in the scheme of, like, social media. Like, I was, I don't have a million friends, like, on Snapchat. I understand it, but not to say my friends don't, but it's not, like, the same way that, like, people that work for me that are 24. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not your, your, it's not in your app doc, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I get it and whatever, but it's not like the same thing for me. Yeah, I, I messed around with it for a bit. And then when Instagram stories came out, I stopped using it like I they got me like I'm like that because I'm 31. So it's like that that I'm that tail part of the millennials. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. You know, I think that if I can like off topic a little bit, please, I think that, you know, you say millennials and I was thinking about it just when we were talking about Snapchat. Yeah. I just think millennials get such a bad rap and it's like such a fucking bullshit scapegoat (laughs) that like all this, like the way the media tries to portray millennials and like how millennials live and like, just like all this shit. It's like, I just, I just disagree with all of it. It's like, we have a bunch of young people that work for us that are millennials. Yeah. And not like a million, but we have a few and Mm -hmm. they're like the hardest working people. You know, they like care so much. They're like, you know, we've had a lot of millennials that work for us for like six years. You know, they're not like jumping around every job. They're not, 
It's like none of those stereotypes I find to be true. I just think it's like an easy way for people to express like how uncomfortable they are with, you know, like what's happening in the world or like with their own life or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it can't be that much different than like Gen Xers, right? Because I remember that Time Magazine wrote this big article of like Gen X, like what are they going to do? Like they're discovering the internet. (laughs) And it's just like, maybe it's just the fact that there's like you were saying of, of all the noise and the ability to communicate and vent and, and all of these media outlets, you know, like right now, like I could pick up my phone and you know, there's like Periscope and then technically anyone in the world could watch it. Right. Yeah. That didn't exist in, I don't know, yeah. even the early aughts. Right. So, it, and that's like, that's more categorizing or that's like more shaping like that generation mobile. Right. Yeah. Is shaping that generation more than like their ages. It's their experience like with technology and with life and yeah. how life has changed. And they're not going to be exactly the same because they have a different perspective on it. You know? Yeah. And if you look at the way millennials, not to like really, I'm not like doing PR for millennials. No, like, it's fine. This is good. It's, it's actually nice to hear someone say something positive versus like, they're just stupid kids. Yeah, that shit pisses aimlessly. me off. I'm not a millennial and it really bothers me because I don't think it's true. And I think, you know, if you look at, how millennials came into the workforce, like what was happening in the economy at that time and how shitty it was for them. Yeah. It's like, oh, they they won't subscribe to cable. It's because they didn't have money yeah. to pay for fucking cable, which is such a ripoff. Yeah, you know? torrenting, it, it was being used just because people wanted the media and, and couldn't afford to get it. Yeah, or yeah. it's like they're, you know, like just they have a couple apps and saves them a ton of money and, you know, it's easier and whatever, then that that makes sense, you no, know? I, I agree. I'm like the total non-millennial though, because I have like fucking direct TV, like every possible channel, and like <laughs> I like will spend all the money on that shit because I'm, you know, I'm like we almost have a landline at home. That's really? Like how old I am? Yeah. Well, that's. I mean, I think that that's fine. Like a friend of mine, he's, I think he's like 36 or so, but I was talking to him about how I use, um, uh, like music streaming services, and I was like, oh yeah, you know, I don't really listen. The Frank Ocean record that came out, and he's like, oh, have you heard it? And I was like, you know, no, I kind of listened to, like, a couple songs, and I thought it was not that good, but, you know, I, I was like, I realize I pay $10 a month to listen to the same four Steely Dan albums, like, <laughs> over and over and over again. And he was like, oh, it's because you're in your early 30s. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And he goes, you know, in your 20s, you want to try everything and do everything and give your opinion on everything. He's like, in your 30s, you basically just want to do what's safe. Like... I, I launch Hulu and I see, you know, the Criterion, you know, Truffaut and then I see Seinfeld and I'm like, eh, Seinfeld. Like, <laughs> okay, I know Seinfeld, you know. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think that's maybe more of what is happening versus, you know, me being a little shit in my 20s, <laughs> calling people a douche on the Internet. <laughs> you survived it, though. We yeah, made it. I survived. So <laughs> we're kind of wrapping up here. Um, is there any other stuff you, you'd want to? mention or, or or plug or talk about that i missed or um i don't know i i i uh i think we covered it it was kind of interesting i i wonder if people like actually know and care um but one thing i will say you know in regards to like this may be a good way to end it um but we talked about like our first meeting and and all that stuff and there was this thing that when i basically would after that i kind of got got to understand like the relationship people had with the site and, and sort of how people like it would make people feel about me. And sometimes like, it would be like, wow, like Michael Williams, like it's so cool to meet you. You know, it's like, they would be impressed by it, which is sad, but, but it was cool. 
And then other people would be like, I hate you because you're what for, you know, pick 10, one of 10 reasons. Sure. But I always like, after that, I started every time I would meet people, you know, I would tell them like, I'm really sorry that I'm probably totally disappointing to you. You thought I was going to be like this stylish, interesting guy, but it turns out like I'm just some, you know, no. some guy from Cleveland. So thank you first off for the humbleness, but I would say that a lot of the reason that I'm doing this, I can speak for, you know, cause I know that you had pulled aside Lawrence and gave him really good advice to kind of like help grow himself, you know? And, Lawrence is a great guy. Yeah, Lawrence. I love, I love Lawrence. I'm referring to Lawrence Schwassman. He's listening to this at Grailed, you know, I don't know, retweeting 10,000 different things and, <laughs> and you know, millennialing himself. <laughs> but uh, He's probably sweating over the keyboard, like trying to like, or is over his phone, like trying to craft like that perfect tweet. For yeah, that day. fire tweet. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I would say that, you know, your stuff, like I was saying at the beginning, like really made it okay to participate in this. So yeah, thank you for all that. Yeah. And yeah, you're definitely you're you're still just as cool. I'm kind of a douche. All right. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's it. Thank you. <laughs> I will see nice you. Talk to you. You've been listening to Blamo, a podcast with an exclamation point. I want to say thanks again to Michael Williams for coming on and being my guest today. If you like what you heard. Subscribe and listen to new and archive episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn. Find me elsewhere on the web on Instagram and Facebook at Blamo Podcast. Or send me an email at blamopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. See you next week.